0: Um, To
1: still, to still in these times not be for Medicare for all is amazing. It's incredible. But congratulations, Joe Biden.
0: Yeah, Joe Biden's own plan, by his own estimation, will only cover 95, 97 percent of the population, uh, which is almost certainly an overestimate. Um, But that would be about 10 million people who are uninsured. And, uh, you know. He's, he's saying, you know, it's his classic logic of like, well, it's an emergency. And so, you know, we're, we're just going to pay for all the specifically COVID treatment. Um, you know, we're not going to pay for anything like that. But like, if you get hit by a car, you know, or you get cancer or something, isn't that an emergency for you? Just because millions of people are getting sick all the time doesn't mean that it's not a tragedy or an emergency when somebody gets sick just from the, you know, daily uh happenstance of life. You know, just this total failure of imagination and the and it, the this I, idea that like we can just have socialism for for covid specifically. Medicare for everyone who has covid.
1: <laughs> right, like if you have the exact same symptoms but it turns out you just had pneumonia, totally screwed. Sorry, your host.
0: That'll be $10,000, please. <laughs>
1: Well, but it's, it's this, but this is the point about getting back to the strike, right? Like, he obviously capitulated to even the COVID, the COVID should be paid for because of necessity, because, like, nobody would deny the logic of that right no one so it's like i have to accept that and it like strains credulity that he wouldn't take advantage look come on kamala harris buddha judge klobuchar i'm pretty sure they would see this political moment and go against their principles or or if they have principles whatever like take advantage of the moment and be like you know what i bet medicare for all would be really popular right now (laughs) right like i you know unless you're you're just so in um in the pocket, right, of uh, the insurance industry, or or just donor class uh, principles, uh, or interests. It just seems like such an obvious thing, but like Biden, okay, sure, I'll be forced to say that if you, you know, testing for sure. Oh, treatment for COVID. Oh, um, okay. But like no general acknowledgement about how this, like we said before, is just part and parcel of how capitalism arbitrarily. It makes people suffer for no reason when we have the ability to do otherwise and to choose otherwise in a way that's better for the economy and better for everyone's lives. It doesn't harm anyone. It's just it's just total insanity.
0: Yeah, people really underestimate the desperation that that is going uh, on every day in this country. And this, you know, this, I think, could be, you know, a potential point of sort of political Radicalization, you know, or, or you're, you're, where people start to think, well, you know, if I should have, you know, decent benefits because I'm literally keeping everyone alive, I'm delivering the packages that people need to live their lives, you know, the letters and, and, and so on, uh, why don't I have that uh, at every time? Don't people, right. isn't, isn't it sort of a similar, maybe not quite as vital, but it's still like sort of the baseline infrastructure of society here that I'm sort of part of. And f- furthermore, why, why doesn't everyone, why, why can't everyone share in that to the same degree? Why can't we look after uh, all the people? Um, yes. in the same way that the you know the COVID frontline employees are you know asking to be looked looked after, because you know like the 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 sort of moral realization here that's that's driving the entire thing is that like we, well we have to uh, you know we have to take all these drastic measures to protect ourselves. To protect society you know the the older people or people with pre-existing conditions or just everyone you know we've we've seen multiple people in their 30s and 40s with no pre-existing conditions at all who have died from this you know and it and it is by all accounts a fucking horrible disease if you get a bad case of it really really bad um and uh so you know we say oh we we can't uh you know we we have to save these people we, you know that it's like we can't just sit here and do nothing and let it rip through the population and just cause you know millions of deaths but if that's the case on a mass scale why isn't it the case for all time and this- you know
1: what's really what's what's really getting to me is that the logic is Oh, so perverted, because not only are the most important people, the ones who are the most disposable, who don't get paid, who don't get sick leave, who are, who are risking their lives. And, and not only are, are those people the most fundamental, but like the people that are pushing them to their deaths and making them work, work, work all these hours that are enriching themselves, that they themselves contribute nothing that are the true parasites of society. Right. They're making these decisions. When actually these important fundamental essential workers not only shouldn't be treated like garbage, not only shouldn't be unprotected, but like they should have leisure, right? Like they should be the ones, not the fat cats who just sit around doing nothing and saying thank you like Obama, right? Like like there's a total so, – So the pandemic is also teaching us about how much time we all could have, right? Like how, how, how differently we could relate to each other, to time, to the ways that we make meaning of life – um, that not only is it not necessary to produce things at the level or in the way, like to overproduce some things, but to underproduce ventilators. Right. So like for the profit of these fat cats, we have our society's needs unmet and the people that actually are essential to the functioning of everything don't get any leisure and and they get harmed in all these ways. Like all these things are interconnected, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, I would guess that, if you just took a random Amazon worker and you put them in charge of the whole com- uh, company, um, they would not be making this, these stupid of decisions to say like, yeah, That's everybody true. keep coming into work. I think it, it demonstrates why workers should have a seat at the table and a share in the profits of the enterprise, you know, be- because, you you see, capitalists are very good at setting up businesses that make lots of money for capitalists. But when in the pinch, you know, when you really need them, they can be horribly dysfunctional and idiotic. And it, it seems like almost a national security matter to get these things out of the hands, uh, at least to some degree, of, uh, you know, people whose, you know, personal uh, profits and portfolio are the only thing they care about and their, you know, control over the workplace. Um, if there were, you know, if, if the Amazon board was 50% worker elected, I think it would be a very different place to work. And it would be That's a much right. Co- safer place, for, not just for Amazon employees, but for everybody who depends on it now.
1: That's right. Co-determination. Code so, so the thing is, like, I think it's it's pretty indisputable, and this pandemic is showing us uh, another, yet another series of reasons why. It's indisputable that, like, Worker power and worker control is preferable, not just morally, not just because it liberates masses of people from domination. Like you said, I think you put it really well that capitalism is a political economy uh, that is one of, of domination. And um, and to get to true democracy, to get freedom, to get equality is, is to work to shift that balance of power, to shift who controls the means of production, to shift wealth more democratically. But like <laughs> – it also would make things better in terms of the actual uh, functioning of the economy in, t- in terms of actual like production. I think we miss how the mismanagement and the um, the needs of people are not met in the production of goods. Uh, so much because of the way things are set up. And so like, it's both morally better and better just like in every way, economically or otherwise to shift to, to this balance of power. Now, the question is, I guess, I think our listeners are probably on board with, with most of this in terms of the, the normative side of things strategically then how does this moment with maybe 200,000 Instacart people striking and, and Amazon workers being fed up finally, uh, how how do we use the moment and, and think about going forward to strategically try to get closer to that more democratic, more socialist uh, control of the means of production of uh, decision-making power politically, economically, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good question. And I mean, I don't think we have all the answers for sure, but... You know, the thing to realize about this moment is that a relatively few number of workers currently have a potential stranglehold on, you know, in whole states, regions, and the entire country, you know, uh, a strike of just a few sectors, you know, we're talking about delivery and grocery store workers. If they were to just strike for any sustained period of time, it would bring society to its knees. That's um, right. And that's a dangerous power. You know, uh, it, it, you really, I think you'd really have to think hard about what you want to achieve with something like that. You'd want to, you'd want to have a lot of broad-based support in the community that you could get, uh, you know, a, 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 a poorly planned strike without a clear, you know, set of demands that seem like achievable. You know, can really backfire. You know, I mean, you're certainly risking the military getting involved with something like that. Um, But you know, on the other hand, the same
1: thing with with rent strikes are the the same way. If you haven't really organized well, uh, you might just end up getting evicted. So just like, be careful. It it does. It's morally morally abhorrent that. like the state should just prevent – it should prevent all rent and mortgages from having to be paid for, for the indefinite future. But since that's not the case in so many places, uh, be sure you know what you're doing if you're trying to do like a rent strike. So either way, as Spider-Man once said, with great power comes great responsibility. I think that's it. Yeah,
0: yeah Uncle Ben. Um, I would say what wh- – my general take: I'm definitely not an organizer, but you know, I've read a lot of history, and and I've I've read a, a fair bit of labor history, and I think you know what what you want is a clear justification. You know, you you, you want to point to something that is intolerably horrible that's happening, um, which is all over the place now. You know, that's
1: easy. That's the easy part.
0: Um, And then you want a clear plan. You know, you want a clear set of demands that 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 doesn't seem too unreasonable, you know, in the moment Um, uh, stuff like, you know, universal Medicare. You know, the Democrats now are supposedly mobilizing behind another set of bills. Nancy Pelosi wants to roll back the uh, salt uh, tax hikes that were that happened in the Trump tax bill retroactively so that all the Democratic rich donors in California and New York can get a giant tax break. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to get together with some of the better, you know, uh, representatives, you know, Ilhan Omar, AOC, and so on, and... Um, Rashida
1: Tlaib, don't forget yep. Rashida Tlaib. Yeah. Mint there,
0: the coin, baby. There are a number of those those folks, and to, to get behind an ass there for stuff like, you know, uh, expanded universal benefits uh you know, uh, uh, sick leave that's better than what they got, or um you know some some kind of like uh, maintenance of effort to keep people on payroll uh or d- the the crash mobilization for to produce um protective gear and ventilators we've been talking about uh uh stipulation allowing Congress to vote remotely. Um, that, that's going to have, clearly neither party wants to do that because they don't want any responsibility for having to pass anything. You know, that this is a traditional democratic duck and cover move. Uh, but you know, we, we, we got one big bill out of Congress and we're going to need another one almost certainly, you know, within a, within the week, uh, if not sooner.
1: Clarify this, Ryan, because usually when people think of a strike, they think of workers who are making demands of the of the business for for whom they they work, right? Uh, yeah. Or for which they work. So 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 you're, you're you're talking about demands both to the business, but but even more so perhaps
0: to the state. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, a general strike is about the whole political system. You know, I mean, you you could say, you know, eight hour day or or. Uh, uh, yep. I mean almost by definition, a general strike can't be just about individual workplace demands. You know, it's got to be something that is basically an existential threat to the whole society. Um, And in a
1: way, it's it's more palatable to the businesses that way in a certain sense, because you don't lose a competitive advantage if all of your competitors also are restricted in that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't think they would be happy at all. You know, no, like,
1: no, no. But I'm just I'm just saying, like it's 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 an interesting I remember growing up um going going to Greece for, for the summer and you know, I had a, a uncle who had a small business, right? And um and I learned very quickly that like during that, that period of time, at least in Greece, and it might still be the case to a certain degree, small businesses all shut down for what you might call siesta um uh, for you know from 12 to 3 basically for lunch the business owners and the employees would go home to their families they'd have a nice lunch they would you know maybe take a nap or something um and then and then it would open back up for a couple hours uh and then two days a week it just wouldn't open back up it would just like that would the day ended at noon you know twice a week um <laughs> and like and this was like a beautiful work work life for not just the owners but for the workers. And if you think about it, the fact that like it was a cultural thing, the whole country did it like You didn't lose any revenue because there wasn't some asshole who was like, well, I'm open right now. I'm going to take your business while you're taking a siesta. It was just like, no, everyone's like, oh, we'll just go get our, you know, our goods like the next day or whatever. Right. So like it didn't actually inhibit any economic activity. It just like coordinated it in a way that like let people have a little more leisure. And that gets ruined when you have the capitalist fucking mindset, which says, I'm going to fucking gouge you while you're trying to do something good for society. You know what I mean? Like, if you just don't have that asshole logic and those norms, you can have quite a good life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. why we
1: need laws in this country, right, to to make it uniform say like no 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 you can't you, you, you know just like in scandinavia you can't email your employees after 5 p.m or whatever in certain countries like th- this is just the, the law is going to do what like at the time in greece at least culture did
0: yeah exactly yeah i mean you know p- pushing for that would be maybe a tough sell for like a nationwide two days siesta break but you know
1: <laughs> why not we should envision a different world, man. Come yeah, n- no,
0: we, we should, we should, we should, but... Um... John
1: Keynes, Keynes, who was, well, it's disputable, but I think he was a capitalist defender, 1930, he thought by around now, we'd have a 15-hour work week, we would, we would not think greed is good, we'd just get to enjoy leisure, 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 enjoy all the good things in life because of the sacrifice of all those assholes in that last you know, 90, 100 years who had accumulated capital for us well they did that so why why don't we get our cs now
0: yeah yeah exactly but i would also say you know if you're talking about a a general strike you know you you got to be ready for the possibility that the i mean virtual certainty in this country that the police and the military are going to get involved um but the thing the thing about that is that you know the the police and the military were probably a lot more reactionary in like imperial russia than they are sure. today and they also haven't been involved in any kind of mass strike breaking um which which would be a sort of difficult thing to even get involved with in a covid situation Um, you know, because like, if people are just staying home, what are you going to do about that? You know, you're going to roust them out of their bedrooms, say, yeah, you know, get back into the virus warehouse. Um, that's
1: right. That's, that's, that's why it's a brilliant time.
0: Yeah. And the other thing about that is that the cops and the, and the soldiers are, are all getting infected probably worse than most people. I think the prisons have it the worst. Rikers Island is an absolute, a hot house of coronavirus right now um it's like 2% of the inmates have already been infected or maybe more than that which is you know orders of magnitude worse than any other place in the world um but i saw 500 new york cops i believe have have tested positive um and you know th- this is where it comes down to the to the the community support and the The, you know, political mobilization and justification of the thing that you're asking for, because if you know, if you're looking down the staring down the police for something that is completely reasonable, even vital, and the police are expected to risk their lives to infect themselves with covid to defend the profits of the capitalists. And and here's the,
1: the thing. (laughs) <laughs> here's the thing hegemonic ideology with, you know, it can be combined with white supremacy. It can convince cops and it can convince soldiers that certain people aren't human. And that because they're black or because they're Iraqi or Pakistani or whatever, that they're the threat they're the other. And like, so kill them. Um, you can even do that with commies like back in the day. Oh, these commies are dangerous. You got to kill them. But like, Oh, these poor workers that have COVID-19 kill them for, for reasons for capitalism is much harder ideologically to brainwash like people that might even have these like fascistic tendencies in, in the police and in the military. Right. And like, as, as a rents told us, you know, violence is something that can be done with one person or with, like, technology with, you know, you, there, there's a strength that, that one person can have and it can be magnified by, like, technology, like a gun or, or like, a, uh, a bomb. But power is collective. And, and power means that if, like, those people that are following orders don't follow orders anymore, you have no power. And so, like, the power of capitalism and the power of imperialism, is all the actual people that are following the orders to do the harm in this backlash that you're talking about. And if like the ideology that has been brainwashing them no longer makes sense, probably not going to happen. And so, so many revolutions are successful, right? Like when, when the, when the tank rolls up to the grandma and like the, the, the soldiers feel ashamed that grandma is out in the street, right? Like that, that's when the revolution wins when, when the soldiers and the cops refuse the orders basically.
0: Yeah, and this is what happened in 1905 in Russia, and again in 1917. You know the, um, you know the regime called out their most loyal, most brutal troops. You know the Cossacks, horsemen. You know this had been like the enforcers of, uh, you know, uh, imperial despotism for centuries. They brought them out and said, "Go, go bust some worker skulls," and they instead started fraternizing with the workers, and um. You know, again, th- this is a this is a thing that I mean, it's a terrible risk. And and it's a uh, uh, very difficult situation that we're in right now, for sure. Yes, And, right. you know, you're you're in and a- that's
1: that's that's the heroism, though. Fuck Obama. Yeah. The heroism is is not in, in poor people that need to live uh, throwing themselves in risky situations to have a bite to eat. Heroism is in realizing that those risks come with the opportunity for everyone to be better off and to democratize and socialize things uh, because of the power and the ability to convince and raise consciousness in those arms of the state that would otherwise suppress such rebellion.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, I I wouldn't— It would be difficult, you know, I, I, I would, I would hope that, you know, if it, if it were a situation, you know, if you're talking about a big, would do like a six foot, uh, social distancing March on, on the, you know, or the, the, the Capitol on, on, uh, f- the Philadelphia city hall or something, you know, you could join yep. up in there and, and re- require some physical courage for sure. That's right. But, That's right. um, you know, the. If, if the Cossacks could be won over in 1917, um, I don't think it's out of the question to think that a sort of critical mass of police uh, and soldiers would, would refuse to defend this just unjustifiable, idiotic, bungling government um, That's right. that we are all saddled with. That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com slash leftanchor.